Good morning, Grace Church. We're so grateful to be here. Um, I am Brooke. This is my husband, Justin. And um, I just want to take a second before I jump into, you know, all about us and just say thank you. Um, I might get emotional, which only happens in one of two places at my home church in Kansas City and here. And is it okay if I call you guys my home away from home? Because Justin and I get to come up here and we've got to be a part of your church for holidays and uh, when we're visiting. And I'll tell you this, your church is so welcoming and so inviting to us and have just been um, a soft place for us to land. Uh, Over the last 10 years, a lot has happened in the Fosnock family, some really good and some really bad. And with Justin and I being away in Kansas City, sometimes it's hard to be away from family when there's hard and difficult things going on. But one thing that brought us peace was knowing that they had Grace Community Church, that you guys were here to wrap around them and pray and believe. And just like your pastor said, expect and believe for a miracle. We have seen that in the Fosnock family with Gail. God has healed her body. But that is no shortage of prayer from you guys and you lifting her up and just taking her to the throne room of God. And so we say thank you. Thank you that we can come in and feel welcome and invited and that um, we just have a peace that you're going to be there for our family when we're away. Because that's one of the hardest parts of being missionaries is being away from family and not knowing what's going to happen. And you guys, um, whether you support us um, in any other way, your prayer and your support of our family who lives here means the world to us. So thank you so much for that. Um, I will tell you a little bit about us. We're the Fosnock family. We, uh, Justin Brooke, we have a four boys. So I think we have a picture of them. I'll tell you a little bit about him. We've got Zion. He's the one on this side. Zion just turned eight years old, and he is so intelligent. He has all the words, and he loves to speak. And I'll tell you, he gets that from Justin, not me. Um, The other day, I don't even know what we were doing. He was like, man, this is just such a really great opportunity that we're getting. I'm like, what eight-year-old speaks like that? That kid, he's hilarious. Then we've got Judah. Judah's over here. He's six years old. Justin calls him my mini-me, mainly for the fact that we have the same smile in this picture. He's just loving and cuddling. He's fierce and passionate. Um, There is no stop with him. He's going to go and go and go. Um, We've got Titus, who's three, and there's a reason Justin's holding him in that picture because he is a runner. He is, again, no stop, no fear. He almost got in between the White House fence. I'll warn you, kids do fit between the fence at the White House. So he is fearless too. And then the last one is Elias, and I'm holding him. He's one, and uh, he's my baby. He's so sweet and cuddly. He is so good for everyone else but me. He cries and just wants mama and wants to snuggle. And um, they're the best for kids. But I'll tell you, God has created them in a unique way. They, if you watch, they don't slow down, which is why all of my gray hairs are now coming in. But God has done that for a reason and a purpose. It's because he's created us as a Fosnock family for a life of adventure, 
Um, and let me tell you, when, when we got presented the opportunity um, to head to Melanesia, it wasn't an easy one to swallow for me. It's like, how is that going to happen? And I'll show you a picture. A lot of people don't know where Melanesia is, but on the map, Melanesia is just northeast of Australia, and it's actually three different countries. The first one is Papua New Guinea, the second one is Solomon Islands, and the third one is Vanuatu. And there's over 25,000 islands in that area, many of whom, 1,132 people groups that we know of, have never had an adequate gospel presentation in the history of their people group. We call them the never reached. It's not that the gospel's been in their, their area and they've heard it before and now people have just chosen to step away and they're post-Christian. No, in the history group of their people, they have never had an adequate gospel presentation. That's because it's a hard place to go. That be, that's because there's no roads. That's because you have to hike. You have to take planes and boats. You have to... Um, camp out. Don't even get me started. I think Justin's going to talk about some of the creatures that are there. But it's because it's hard. And we as a Fosnock family are saying yes to God in the hard things that he's asked us to do. And I have peace in my heart knowing that God has created me and Justin and our four boys for exactly that. So I'm going to pass it over to Justin who's going to tell you a little bit more. Yeah, so we are going to be spearheading a team in the Solomon Islands. So right now within our fellowship, within our team, there's not any missionaries in the Solomon Islands. So we will be leading that team. So anytime you're doing apostolic work with an apostolic function and trying to bring a spark of encouragement, there's a lot of things that goes into that. So we want to connect with you because we need your prayer. In fact, they're going to put a QR code on the screen. If you are tech savvy, you can get your phone out. You can take a picture of that and you can follow along with our journey. That will get news and updates, prayer requests, and things of that nature. Now, if you're like, I'm not very tech savvy. I'm a little bit old school. Hey, I'm with you. We have these cards with, as, with us as well. We'd love for you to take with you. So with these are, it's a picture of our family. You can put it on a fridge. And on the way in the back, there is an email there that you can email us. And we will get you added to the list. And we will get you connected to what we're doing. As well as other information here that you can click that will give you more information about us and what we are doing. And so we thank you for the opportunity to be here today. Pastor Vern, I, I don't know if you knew this, but I was in the house when they introduced you as the next pastor. And so it was awesome. It was nervous excitement because like Brooke said, we've been through some things here in this church and Pastor Ray and Miss Nancy has walked us through specifically the death of my father. And nobody, nobody has the ministry of presence like Pastor Ray. He is just there. He is with you. And as a pastor, my pastor heart was sharpened by that experience. And then when that video came on, I'm like, okay, I'm excited. And then your passion came through, your clarity came through, your vision, which, by the way, is really hard to do on a video. If you don't know, like, to complain, like, your, your, your passion and, and your vision is really hard to do through video. But you guys nailed it. And I left that day. I had no idea. Don't tell Pastor Ray this, what he preached about. But I was super excited for Grace Church and for this family. And then Miss Alicia actually called my mother on the phone, which if you know what that is like, you're going to be like, you signed up for 30 minutes. So the next time we were back, the next time we were back, because we're trying to get around grandma a little bit more with the kids, we came back. You guys had just started. We're in the middle of a family function and the phone rings. I'm like, mom, are you really going to answer it? And she's like, it's Pastor Alicia. I have to. And I'm like, okay, go ahead. And she, she was a different person after that phone call. She was just radiating joy and it was amazing. 
So thank you. It's a blessing to be here. You guys are a blessing. Can you just honor your pastors one time before we preach today? Man. Thank you, hon. One of the definitions of dishonor that I love is when you treat something that is uncommon as if it is common. And what I want you to understand here, as somebody who is in a different church every Sunday, multiple times a week, in fact, last week we had a stretch, we were in seven churches in 10 days. That's a lot of church, and that's a lot of different churches. What you have here is uncommon. God is up to an uncommon work. It's common for him. That's his desire. But there's a lot of places and houses and families of God that are unwilling to allow what he wants to do. And so I'm thankful that you have a church that is open to the movement of the spirit. I'm thankful that you're a part of a church that embraces community. And I'm going to tell a little bit about our story. And then I'm going to preach a missions-based message today. Because my hope is to get you fired up for the nations. Now, I'm expecting a phone call any day. In fact, my brother-in-law recently got into Hallmark movies. My mama has Hallmark movies on each and every day, and it's just a common theme. I'm expecting them to call because Brooke and our story is perfect. It's so romantic. I can't wait to tell you how I met Brooke. I met Brooke at the 8 a.m. book study in college of the book of Revelation. Come on, isn't that amazing? Isn't that romantic? We're studying the end times together. So here was my pickup line. If you're a young man, you can borrow it. It's okay, especially with the way the world is today. Hey, girl, the world's going to end. We might as well be together when it does. Come on, somebody. Isn't that amazing? And she was like, can I get a ring by spring? When are you going to come in? And I was like, whoa, slow down. I just met you. This is ridiculous. But... um, No, that's not how it went. It was actually, hey, this class is really hard. It's the hardest one I've had yet, and uh, I need a study partner, and I I will give you props. She graduated with honors. That's awesome. That's amazing. Every every good-looking guy has a smart wife, right? Isn't that what it is? Come on. That's amazing. Okay. Somebody needs to be the brains around here. All right. So when I met her, she had a call to missions in her life. And it was one of the primary focuses that she had. It was something that we talked about all the time. So I went to a, a conference for missions in Cincinnati, Ohio in 2008. And as I was driving there from Lancaster, Pennsylvania, I was praying to God and I was having this moment. It was a moment of surrender where I just said yes in advance. And I pray that every single person in this room, if you haven't had that moment with God yet, it would be this moment where you're not sure. There's some uncertainty of what he may ask you to do, but it's this moment where you say yes in advance and, in advance and surrender to him. And there was just a peace during the conference. And then the last night, the speaker gets up after delivering a, an amazing message about all the opportunities that are out there in the world. The people who have yet to hear the never reached has always gripped my heart. Never heard about Jesus. Not even one time an adequate presentation. And he says, would you give a year and pray about a lifetime? So in my heart, I'm thinking, yes, I will give a year. I can do a year. I love adventure. I love to travel. Let's do this. And then the Holy Spirit immediately just convicted me. If you're so quick to give me a year, why don't you give me your life and I'll take care of the rest? And it was one of those moments. I don't know if you've ever had this where you just flood to the altar and the spirit is moving and you just feel a perfect peace. And then the enemy tries to steal it because you know what they had the nerve to do next? They had the nerve to say, okay, if you feel called to missions, come across the stage, tell us your name and where you're going to be going. 
I'm like, I just responded to the message. Hello, I just got up here. I don't have a country. I hadn't even left the country yet at that point in my life. Never been outside of the U.S. Again, if you listen, the Holy Spirit will speak. And he said, I'm not trying to give you a, a destination. I'm trying to give you a direction for your life. And it's one where you're completely surrendered to me. So what I did in times of uncertainty is something that I learned from my mama because I kind of digged her so I should tuck her up a little bit. I have 12 rules of life, things that I focus my life around. I'm going to share three of those with you today. And the first one is this. You need a scripture for every season. You need a scripture, something to cling to, something that's going to keep you focused. This is something my mama did all the time. Something would happen. Something would occur. She would go into her room. She would read her Bible. She would hear from God, and she would come out quoting a scripture. Whether you're in a good season today, it's a mountaintop moment, or you're in the valley, you need a portion or a single scripture to cling to. So I'm reading through the Bible, and I get to Ezekiel 47. I mean, Ezekiel 47 is our text today. And I'm like, God, are you serious? I have never heard a message on Ezekiel 47 in my life. I grew up in church. I don't know if you're a church kid. You are not more of a church kid than me. I was Jesus in the Christmas cantata at four months old. (laughs) My mama and daddy were Mary and Joseph, and they will never let it down because, uh, The wise man brought gifts that Christmas, and so did your boy. I'm just going to be honest with you in the manger. Come on. (laughs) If you don't know what it is, use your imagination. I was a baby. Okay, there it is. It's like, I don't remember Ezekiel from the flannel graph in Sunday school. So as I'm reading it, Ezekiel gets this picture that God shows him what the foreshadowing of the work of the Holy Spirit is going to be, that it's going to break out of the temple and it's going to go forth. I'm going to read it briefly here with us this morning. It says, Then he brought me back to the door of the temple, and there was water flowing from under the threshold of the temple towards the east. From the front of the temple faced east, the water was flowing from under the right side of the temple south of the altar. He brought me out by the way of the north gate and led me around the outside of the outer gate that faces east, and there was water running out on the right side. So Ezekiel sees this water and it's flowing out of the temple because the Holy Spirit and the Spirit of God is going to break out of the temple. Why? He is getting a foreshadowing of the work of the Holy Spirit that when Jesus comes and dies on the cross, not only does he die for our sins so that we can have eternity with God, but the veil is torn in two so that the presence of God is no longer contained to the Holy of Holies. Because up until that point, if you're not a nerd, let me nerd out for 20 seconds. Up until that point, only one person, one time a year, the high priest could go into the presence of God, and it was so dangerous, if he was unholy, he would die on the spot. It was so intense that they would tie a rope around his ankle, because if he would die, they would have to drag him out. And if they used the rope to drag him out, that must have meant that it had happened before. But now Jesus, because the temple curtain is torn in two is going to be flowing out in verse three it talks about ezekiel being led into his into the river up to his ankles and then it goes up to his knees eventually in verse four up to his waist it says then in verse five again he measured 1000 and it was a river that you could not cross so know this the work of the holy spirit in your life is going to lead you into a place where you cannot stand on your own two feet that you are so dependent on him So dependent on the Spirit's work where if he does not come through, it does not happen. This is why we say if we don't, if God doesn't intervene, we might as well not go. There's no reason to go to Melanesia if God doesn't intervene. 
And if we want God to intervene, we have to intercede. We need God and we need people to intercede for us because as we are led by the Spirit, it is His working in everything that we do. Eventually gets to the point where you can't swim. It's a river that you could not cross. And he said to me, son of man, have you seen this? It then gets to the point in verse 6 where Ezekiel is now taken out of the river and he's placed on the bank and he's seeing the byproduct of those who will live led by the Spirit. He takes him out by the riverbank. And then in verse 12, he sees the final result. Along the bank of the river on this side and that will grow all kinds of trees used for food. Their leaves will not wither and their fruit will not fail. A spirit-led life produces fruit so that those who are outside of the river, who stand on the bank, can partake of that fruit to be invited to step into the river. The fruit that you bear, this is why Paul says in Galatians, do not grow weary in doing good. Like, keep doing good. I know it's hard. I know it's frustrating. I know it's not ideal, our circumstances sometimes. But the fruit that we produce, it will not fail. It says there will be fruit every month because of the waters flowing from the sanctuary. Their fruit will be used for food, and their leaves will be used for medicine. This is why we say that the kingdom of God is like a river. It's eternal current that flows throughout history that brings about the redemption and restoration of all things. Everywhere the river goes, everything the river touches, it leads to redemption and restoration. So a church planter, somebody who goes to plant churches amongst never-reached tribes, what they are doing is they are taking the river to a place that is barren, dry, in a desert-like land. Jesus was the best at this. He models this in John chapter 4 with the woman at the well. He goes into Samaria. He sends his boys ahead for lunch. He embraces the heat of the day to meet the Samaritan woman, the woman who was dry. He tells her everything about her life and what is her beef? What is her frustration? What is her struggle? Well, her struggle is, you are a Jew, I'm a Samaritan. Jews say you must worship in Jerusalem. We have to worship on this mountain. And what does Jesus say? Jesus says, it's not gonna be about location soon. It's gonna be about how you worship and you worship in spirit and truth. Why? Because Jesus was gonna die and the river of living water was gonna bust out of the temple and be spread by his people all over the earth. In case you're not convinced yet, John chapter seven, one more time, on the last day and the greatest day of the festival. So it's the big day, it's the great day. Jesus is gonna stand up. He's got something important to say. He says what? Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. This is why this house is a family. It's a family because people are thirsty and they need to be invited in. That spirit of hospitality, that you are welcome, you are invited here. Come to me if you are thirsty. Come and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scriptures has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. And by this, he meant the spirit whom those who believed would later receive. So if you have the living water in you today, you should be fired up. You should be bubbling a little bit. There should be an anticipation. You should be expecting a miracle whether it's written on the top or not. If you came to church today at a discipline, that's a great start. But I hope that discipline turns into anticipation because anticipation is better than discipline. Anticipation will lead a fire to your discipline. Not only will you read your Bible every day, not just because you should, it's because you want to and you desire to and you can't wait to. 
And so I'm gonna tell you today that you are one decision away from a totally different life. That by God's grace at 21 years old on the way to a missions conference, I decided, hey God, I surrender in advance, I'm all in. And the adventure that I've got to live has been incredible. And so everywhere we go, and yes, we've been to Haiti, we've been to London, and we'll lay that out a little bit more at my mom's life group on Thursday for those of you who maybe want to hear a little bit more or you can contact us. But everywhere we've gone, we've had the same philosophy of ministry. I want you to think about this for yourself today, and then this week you can apply this to those that you're ministering to because you are a missionary, and the missionary that you, the person you're being a missionary to is the one in front of you. Like the person that's in front of you at that moment. And so here's our philosophy of ministry. Who are you? Where are you at spiritually? And what's the next step? Think about that today. Who are you? Maybe a better question for a Christian would be, whose are you? Where are you at spiritually? What's God doing in your life? And what's the Holy Spirit leading you into. This applies everywhere because what we need to get really good at as Christians is celebrating next steps. We know when a person comes to Christ and they have that salvation moment that all of heaven rejoices over one sinner who comes to repentance. That's amazing. As a church, we're really good at celebrating that. But we can celebrate every single next step. We should have a culture of next step because sometimes for some people, salvation is not a next step. Your first experience with a never-reached tribe who for thousands of years who have worshipped ancestral spirits, who have been at civil war with local tribes, who have been in the demonic realm and in very dark spiritually, we are not going to just show up and be like, Jesus is king. They're going to be like, who's Jesus? It's going to be a process. Some of the people in your life, their next step spiritually is not salvation, but there is a next step for them. We love VBS when kids come to Christ. We saw hundreds, scores of kids in Haiti come to Christ through VBS. We saw team members who would come on a one-week mission trip, and by the beach day on Friday, we were baptizing them in water in the ocean. I mean, what a great place to get baptized in the Caribbean. It was amazing. But the really amazing next steps oftentimes came in in heartache. It's where you find a hurt and you heal it, and that act of compassion that was ordained by God and led by the Holy Spirit leads to next steps, not just for the person, but the whole family. It reminds me of a time I was leading a tour of one of our villages that was built for people who had been displaced by the earthquake. The entire village was displaced Haitians who lost their homes in the earthquake. And as we're walking through the village and we're explaining to these potential donors who want to build more homes about what we were doing, we came across a house with a boy who was laying on the front step. I remember it like it was yesterday. He was laying there naked in his own vomit and urine because he had cholera and he was about to die. His parents had no money. They had no vehicle. They had no source of hope. They could only hope that somebody would help them. Well, their next step was to see that God is sovereign, that God is good, that God cares about them, and he intervenes through his people. Sometimes we pray for things, and guess what? You're the answer to the prayer. So we were able to get that boy to the hospital, and the, and the pastor was able to show next steps with the family. I think about the lady who came on a mission trip. She's like, I can't do this. I can't share my faith with people. And we said, hey, just connect with the person in front of you. Into the village, she runs into a girl who's doing loads of laundry. This woman was overwhelmed with laundry. She's like, I do a lot of laundry. I have seven kids. Turns out the lady on the missions trip, who about an hour before this was adamant, send me home, put me on a plane. 
She also had seven kids. And she got down and started doing laundry with that woman. She did laundry with that woman all day. Like, that's not ministry. Uh, If you do laundry, that's ministry. (laughs) Seven kids. We've got four, and my wife is doing laundry all the time. I would help, but she doesn't like the way I fold it. That's true. Vouch for me. The people are watching. But what's amazing is we connect better in our weakness than our strength. You're like, I don't like to connect with people. Well, you're always talking about what you're good at, what you're successful at, everything that you're killing it at. And people are like, I'm not that good at that. So they kind of shut it off. But we connect in our weakness better than our strength. I think about the student in our youth group in London who really just needed someone to verbally process her faith because she was struggling with faith and doubt and was in the process of possibly deconstructing her faith. She just needed someone to listen like my wife who would give her an opportunity to do so. That was her next step. The week before we left, she told us that she would follow Christ. Now, did I ever proclaim the gospel to her? No, but the ministry of presence was a next step relationally for her. I think of the boy who worked at the, he was going to the British school that I worked at and he had a really bad moment that turned into a really bad day. Before he left for school that day, he had told his mom, I hate you, I never wanna see you again, and said some very profane words. Turned out she died in a car accident on the way to work. That boy's next step was you are not alone. God does not hate you. He is not mad at you. He needed someone to love him because he did not love himself. So who are you? Where are you at spiritually? What's the next step? And that works in every cultural context that we have ever been in. Now, we embrace hard things. We embrace hard conversations because when you meet people in their weakness or when you find a hurt and heal it or you find a need and fill it, it leads to hard things. We embrace hard things. I'm gonna share a couple of the hard things we've had to come over in the next couple minutes before we conclude, but I wanna show you that There's always a reason the enemy will give you to tap out. Well, I can't talk about that this holiday season because it will start a fight and the whole family gathering will just blow up and it'll be a mess. There's always that fear. There's always that tension. I can't share about my faith because what if I'm ridiculed, right? There's always a hard thing. We say we embrace hard things. We don't ask for sympathy. And what the devil tries to get you with, it's different for everybody. For example, one time we were having a meeting with the single girls in Haiti, Brooke and I, We had the amazing privilege as one of the married couples to live in between the single girls and single guy missionaries. And so one day we're hanging out and we're having a meeting and this obstacle showed up on our door. If you want to show a picture of that spider, that is a tarantula that showed up on our door. Now it was on the outside of the door, which was good, but I couldn't go remove it because the ladies wouldn't let me leave and go outside to do it. So we did what every smart person would do. We called the guy from Texas on staff. He's not scared of anything. He's got his cowboy boots on. He came and he removed it. Sometimes when you're doing life with people, you have hard conversations in the islands. They offer you some delicacy, some food, right? It's, it's rude not to eat the food. Remember that this holiday season, just eat what you're offered, even if it's family right? Just eat it. In fact, let me teach you the missionary prayer real quick. Here it is. Lord, I put it down. You keep it down. Okay. (laughs) I've had to say that prayer many times. I I ordered chicken one time in Haiti. I'm like, that's not a chicken leg. That's not a chicken leg. 
And they like to eat cat there, so I'm like, meow, I'm probably eating cat. But in the, in, in the islands, it's fruit bats, so go ahead and show. I mean, look how demonic this thing looks. I'm like, that is, I want to be like, do you realize why the whole world just shut down? It's because of jokers like these guys, man. Bats, you can't eat that. A team member of mine was just offered that and had to eat that roasted fruit bat. Mm, that's, some of you are like, I don't want to do lunch anymore. And lastly was anytime that you minister to the never reach and you build a house, you, you, you build a house so you can immerse into the village, right? So you can become family, so you can open up a hospital. In fact, one of my quotes, one of my favorite quotes is, I don't want to live it within the sound of church bells. I want to open up a hospital within two steps of hell. So when you work with a never-reached tribe, sometimes you can't live there initially, but you'll build a house that acts as a hospital or a hub that you do ministry out of. The only problem is when you leave, the invaders come in like this rat right here. So in the islands, if you have a volcano, so let's see what team you're on real quick. Let's see what team you're on real quick. You're either on team snakes or team rat. That's your choice. Because if you live on an island with a snake then they'll take care of the rats. The islands with the volcanoes don't have snakes, so you have to deal with the rats. So which one would you want to live on, team snake or team rat? That's kind of up to you. We're on team snake, by the way. I just got to be honest with you. I can do this thing. That's a two-foot tail on that rat. That is insane. We say the rats eat the cats in the islands. But I really want to get... I really want to get one of my rules of life, again, is when the Holy Spirit prompts you, if you really have to wrestle through that, we need to get to the point where that wrestling becomes shorter or not at all, where we just embrace it, okay? Because I want you to start counting the cost, but in reverse. Count the cost if you don't act. Like, we're counting the cost if we don't go, the river doesn't get extended. Not only are we not doing what God has asked us to do and we're outside of the will of God, but then the river is not extended. There's not teams being trained to go out and extend the river. Count the cost if you don't have that hard conversation when the Spirit prompts you. What is that person's fate? Because the river in Ezekiel 47, that river one day leads to eternity where there is perfect healing and wholeness, redemption and restoration. But those that are not in the river, that are still outside of the river, they will be eternally separated from God. Sometimes we have to have that conversation. So I love this quote from David Livingston. If commissioned by an earthly king is considered an honor, how can a commission by a heavenly king be considered a sacrifice? If a government official asks you to do something, well, that's an honor to serve our country. But then God asks you to do something, all of a sudden it's a sacrifice. Mm. I don't think so. You're like, well, that's really hard. Man, I know what my next step is. Some of you, you know what your next step is. I said next step, and you knew it, and God's been speaking to you about it, and the Holy Spirit's been prompting you, but you're just fearful. I've been there. In fact, I'm so thankful in 2008 that the Holy Spirit didn't say Solomon Islands. Go up there and say Solomon Islands. Because you know what I would have done before I went on the stage? I would have Googled it. I would have been like, that's on the other side of the world. I've never left the country. They are descendants of cannibals. They worship ancestral spirits. This 22-year-old kid would have been like, can I get something else? What's option B? I don't even want option B. Can I get option C? I want to be removed from option A. So rule number three is this, God's grace 
helps you. The Holy Spirit helps you deal with reality. If your next step is to get rid of something, to confess a sin, to reconcile a relationship, to admit a wrong, the Holy Spirit will help you. God's grace helps you deal with reality. God's grace walks you through those things. He helps you. So I'm going to ask you to close your eyes as I share my last verse this morning. And I just want us to wrap our mind around this. Because we are a family and we need to have these moments and we need to realize where this river is going and we need to realize that the hospital is important because the hospital is where people get healed and people who are hurt. We want people that are hurt to come in and people who are hurt, they're messy and guess what? Their mess gets on you and that is an honor. Maybe your next step today is to be transformed by the renewing of your mind and stop seeing what you're doing as a sacrifice and see it as an honor. It's an honor. And we are an army and we are advancing. And look at the byproduct of our fruit when we advance led by the Spirit. Revelation 7, 9 through 10. After this, I looked and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count. There are people from every nation, tribe, people, and language standing before the throne and before God. They were wearing white robes and they were holding palm branches in their hands. And they cried out in a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. This is the scene that I remember from Revelation class studying it as a college kid. That there is one day where we will stand before God and we will worship him. Thanking him for Jesus, thanking him for his grace and his mercy and his kindness and his love. And when we look around, there's going to be people from every tribe, nation, and tongue. And so open your eyes, please, this morning. I need you to realize when missionaries come into this church, when organizations come into this church and share about what they're doing, their fruit is your fruit. We as a family reach the nations. When Revelation 7 happens and we're there and you're there, the tribes and nations that we reach because you send us, they're not going to care that we're the missionaries and you're the senders. They're not going to care. They're not going to care that Brooke and I were the ones who moved our family across the world and you were the ones that dug in and prayed and intercede. Why are they not going to care? Because they're only going to care that they're in God's presence. The only thing that matters in that moment is that they're with Jesus Anything that they've earned in this life, the crowns that they've won, what are they going to do? They're going to cast them at the feet of Jesus and be on their face. And so my three questions for you today, because you are my audience, who are you, where are you at spiritually, is that scene in Revelation chapter 7, is your state in your relationship with Jesus right now, are you at that scene? Is, are you in the river that is leading you and guiding you to that, to that scene today? Then my second question is this. Who are you taking with you? Who's coming with you? Because let me tell you, there's probably a person right now that if I would say, what's the one person who is the hardest person in your life? Maybe it's a student if you're a teacher. Maybe it's a coworker if you are just struggling at work. Maybe you're like, you talked about two steps from hell. My whole work culture feels like hell. Well, guess what? You get to bring Jesus Everybody else is pulling heaven or, or is pulling hell up. You get to pull heaven down. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Yes. Yes, Lord. 
And so as Pastor Vern comes back, I want to leave you with a thought and then pray over you. Legacy is not just what you do, but what others do because of you. It's what others do because of you. We are in a culture, in a country where everything is about me and what I can do and achieve. But in the kingdom of God, we have that reverse mindset of how can I serve? How can I bless? Where can I encourage? Where can I support? And one of the things that we're going to ask you to do is please take a prayer card, pray for our family, pray for our ministry. It's hard. I don't have enough time to get into all of it today, but we need your support. We need you to lay a spiritual suppressing fire over our mission field as we go in. We expect to get hit, and we do not ask for any sympathy for that, but we do ask that you would go with us. So as we go, we take you with us. We are the hand, and you are the arm, and you are the body. And we are just one of the ways that you get to be the family of God, the hospital of God, and the army of God as this thing advances. So Lord, we love you today, and it's an honor to be in your presence. And I just pray that the Holy Spirit, you would do what only you can do, illuminate in our hearts right now where we're at spiritually. And I just pray for the one person who they know they're not in a good spot. They know something's not right. They know something's going on. I pray that they would realize that God's grace helps us deal with reality that his spirit can empower us to change. And it may hurt and it may cost us something, but we need to count the cost in advance. Count the cost if we don't change. Count the cost if we don't repent. Count the cost if we don't own our mistakes. And when it's hard and it feels like we cannot go forward, we have a scripture to cling to. God has given us his word and he empowers us by our spirit so that we can step into next steps so that we can be led by the Holy Spirit. I pray by every single person in this room, would take a step into the water today, that those who are ankle deep would go knee deep, those who are knee deep would get up to their waist, and those who have been teetering on living a fully spirit-filled life, that they would embrace it because it's only then that you are truly free. There's nothing no man can say to you. There's nothing no person can do to you because the only thing that matters is what God has asked you to do and being led by his spirit. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.